podcast where best friends and next door neighbors, Willow and Lillian, spill the tea on murder, mysteries, and other things that go bump in the night. So get your favorite teacup ready and let's get into it. Welcome to Cruelty Podcast. This is Lillian, and with me is Willow. Hello. I hated that. I won't do it that cheerful ever again. <laughs> it was really creepy. It was awful. It was like creepy clown. <laughs> like halfway through, I lost all ability to sound cheerful and just sounded murdery. Yeah. It's because this case is f- fucked up. What case is it? Why, it's Dorothea Puente. Yeah, She's awful. Huh? Yeah, I know this case. Yeah, you do. Everybody I should. Love, I love talking about her because she's crazy. When I think of femme fatale, I'm not going to think of a sweet little grandma. Right, right. That's why I kind of chuckled whenever you said that you were going to do it. No, her. but her method, it was very femme fatale. Right. Okay? Right. And right. we'll get into all of it, but this is like the grandma killer. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, don't you think it's like super fucking just misogynistic because like... Oh, yeah. Well, because, like, when we think femme fatale, when we think of a woman, when we think woman. Big old titties and, like, we red lipstick. We think somebody, like, 24 max. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, we think somebody young and hot. She's coming and, like, into Dick Tracy's office. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, what can I do for you, doll? And she's like, I've killed my husband, or did I? With her boobs, you know? Yeah. We don't think anybody... Old, older. God forbid. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm 42, and that means you might as well just put expired right on my big fat ass. I'm done. Milk's gone bad. It's right. no good no right. more. Right. But you know what? It almost makes you think, well, good. Good on her then to show them grandmas can kill. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm in a mood today, and it's, I don't think it's good, but it is weird. So we're going to get into it because nobody wants to hear us talk for 20 minutes about nothing. I don't like it. Nobody else does either. I mean, I like talking to you all day. Yeah. And I think it's entertaining. You don't know me. So, Dorothea Helen Puente was born on March 27th, 1929 in San Bernardino, California, to two alcoholics. She's not got a good start. She had a very, very rough and abusive childhood. In the question of nature versus nurture, this is both. Because Dorothea had a type of schizophrenia that gave her delusions of grandeur and real lack of empathy going on. And look, I'm I didn't diagnose her that way or make those assertions. That is what my research told me. I do not think schizophrenics lack empathy in general. Yeah, I'm just gonna put that definitely. disclaimer out there. And given treatment, she would have been fine. But this is 1929. Okay, and normally people who were ill that way were not treated well. Yeah, they, they were treated <laughs> like the, the last case that we did on Patreon. It's an lobotomy, lobotomy for you. Yeah. And a weird room that had padded walls yeah. and some torture and electroshock therapy. A whole bunch of that. Yeah. Ice baths and electroshock therapy. Now, Dorothea never spent any time in any men- mental institution. Good. But she had a life that was just riddled with bad times. Yeah, so her parents didn't have a lot of money, and that's going to be given the time. That's the start of the Great Depression, 1929. It was in October, so she was born right before the Great Depression. But, Mm. I mean, her parents were already poor. Her dad was a cotton picker, and 
I will just tell you all this. If you you may think that's an easy job to pick the little fluffy pieces of cotton. I don't know. Mm-mm, so my, my grandmother, who grew up in southwestern Oklahoma during the Great Depression, her father owned a cotton farm, and her and her six brothers and sisters had to go out in the fields in the summer and pick cotton. Let me tell you, Oklahoma summer, it's 105 degrees. and There's no shade. It flattened. There ain't no it's trees, y'all. Nothing. Nothing. Just sun. Just sun beating down on you. Beating the shit out of you. Beating the... And, you know, a lot of her siblings got skin cancer. Not a surprise. Yeah. And so the cotton... And the bowl... Okay, so you have the little plant, and it has little fluffy cotton bits. Mm -hmm. But when you pick it, it has barbs on the inside. Yes. And so it makes your fingers bleed. Yes, it's like... Almost like roses. A little bit. Yeah. But hidden, and you try and pick it a certain Mm -hmm. way, but it's still going to get you eventually. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. you're just bleeding from your fingers. You Mm -hmm. about got heat stroke, Mm -hmm. and you're dragging a bag that weighs like 50 pounds. Everybody's going to get mad at you for getting blood on the cotton. That is correct. They will get mad at you. You've ruined it. Yep. So, he would go pick cotton, get paid fucking pennies, and blow all their money on alcohol. Mm. Both him and and her mother. Mm. And so Dorothea, there was frequently not money for food. I was about to say, what did the child eat? Now see, my grandmother, they lived on a farm, so they grew their own food and had their own animals, and that's literally all that saved their life. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but what did, they didn't have this. They lived in like a little crappy apartment or house, and I tried to look, and there's not a lot of information. But she would go out and scavenge for food. Get mm. a trash and Dumpster stuff. dive and stuff. Pretty much. Yeah. Like, out the back of restaurants and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it kind of shaped the desperate way she lived all the time. That she would just resort to theft and... It never occurred to her that there was any other way. Like, carnal, like, survival, like, the... Mm -hmm. the, um, The shelter wasn't in place, you know? She didn't have food, so her fight or flight is constantly working from a young age. Yeah, definitely very traumatizing upbringing when she was four her father died now i couldn't find his cause of death but we're gonna go ahead and guess it was drinking himself to death because two years later her mother died too and she was sent to live in an orphanage i do not know how long she was in the orphanage i don't think it was too long because she was taken in later by relatives and this is kind of when her habit of making like crazy stories about herself started oh yeah yeah i vaguely remember this yeah she told everyone who would listen she was one of 18 children and she'd been born and raised in mexico yes i forgot she had like that weird ass fixation about mexico she did she did and it was really strange because okay puentes is a married name Mm -hmm. and that's she's white she is a white lady. And Dorothea is, like, the, the name that she was born under. Yeah. Okay. She was really good at lying, and she was really superficially charming. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to point that out because it really... Because, like, a lot of people describe her in diametrically opposed ways. For example, some people will say she had literally no personality and she was flat, affect, cold, mm-hmm. and impersonal. But other people were just bowled over by how charming and sweet she was. 
She could turn that shit on and off. Do you think it's like just a manipulative tactic? Yes. She doesn't see any value in you, so she's not going to turn on the charm. You know, like a shark has the kind of cold, dead eyes. She's like if a shark were a person. Mm. A predator. Absolutely all the time looking for the next way to scam someone and make money. And she doesn't care who has to die or get hurt. She would have been really good at MLM schemes. Oh my god. (laughs) That is the scariest shit you've ever said. (laughs) Tragedy just haunted this woman. Or was it tragedy of her own making? So in 1946, at only 17 years old, she got married. Only to be widowed two years later when her husband died of a heart attack. And given how the rest of her life goes, I've always wondered about this first marriage. Yeah. Did she kill him? Yeah. Possibly. Well, because, like, as we saw in, um, uh, the, the, um, Lethal Lovers, uh, Gwendolyn Graham and Kathy Wood, Mm -hmm. a lot of their victims were ruled out as heart failure due to the way that they Mm -hmm. were, yeah. um. I think it's possible, but not likely, and I'll tell you why in a minute. I do think that he just actually had a heart attack, okay. and I think it actually inspired her. Like, his death inspired her. It, that happens in a lot of cases. To where, like, oh, I could kill my husbands instead of them just dying, yes, you know? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So this left her destitute and desperate. In order to get by, she started forging checks for money. She was caught shortly after and arrested and sent to jail for six months. Right after she got out, she got pregnant by a man she hardly knew. Mm -hmm. And she gave birth to a baby girl who she gave up for adoption right away, which was actually the nicest thing she ever did. Seriously. Her daughter would meet her for the first time in 1986 and describe Dorothea as having no personality at all. She just didn't feel anything. She, there was nothing to gain. Yeah. So yeah. she just had nothing to... Mm-hmm. She was like, boop, mm-hmm. nothing. In 1952, she got married a second time to a Swedish man named Axel Johansson. Or Johansson. I don't know. Wow. I'm not Swedish. This was her longest marriage. That's a really cool name. Axel Johansson. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a porn star. <clears throat> sure does. Sure does. Yeah. It was, her, like I said, her longest marriage, but it was marred by intense domestic violence. They were together for 14 years, but he was he was extremely abusive and hard on her. Mm. And she kind of managed to stay out of trouble for a while, though. Eight years after marrying Axel, she was arrested in a brothel. Now, she claimed she was only visiting a friend there. <laughs> I <laughs> just never say a friend. Look, uh, I ain't hoeing. Ma'am, do you know where you are? <laughs> It's a ladies' club where we hang out in our underpants <laughs> and blow dudes for money. <laughs> Look, very pro ho on this pro podcast, ho. and mm-hmm. I don't think she should have been arrested for being a hoe. But yeah. she went to jail for 90 days. And she took to the streets right out of jail. Her marriage was in trouble, and she got arrested immediately for vagrancy. She was basically just homeless and sleeping on the street. And she spent another 90 days in jail. Her husband could not financially support them is largely the reason for this. I think it's why she turned to prostitution, even though she denied it forever. Mm -hmm. So while she was still married to Axel, she started dabbling in even more illegal activities. Forgery, theft, that kind of thing was her bag. She skirted kind of getting in trouble by getting a job as a nurse's aide to the infirm and the elderly. 
And it was soon after this that she started trying to run her own boarding house. Now, the reason I said earlier that I don't think she killed her first husband is because she gained the knowledge of how to overdose people by being a nurse's aide. She also got the ability to get those drugs. Mm -hmm. She stole them mm -hmm. from her work, mm -hmm. obviously. Yeah. I don't know why her dream was to run a boarding house, except if it was to kill people. I really think that was her dream. Was like, I want to run a boarding house and kill people. Because that's what she did. Yep. So she divorced Axel in 1966 and married Robert Puente in Mexico City. And he was 19 years <laughs> younger than her and completely unable to keep it in his pants. Oh. He was just fucking oh. around on her constantly. Oh, I thought you meant like physically like just whipped his dick out all the time. I was like, oh. That's an expression. This is a, <laughs> this is a oh problem. <laughs> Sir, this is a Wendy's. <laughs> Put your pecker away. Put it away. <laughs> no, he just, he was a philanderer. No, I got it, yeah, yeah. <sighs> Their marriage would only last two years, mm -hmm. but she had a plan this time, and oh. it wasn't taken to the streets. She started running a 16-bedroom, three-story, turn-of-the-century boarding house. Though very strict with her residents, she was also known to be quite generous. On holidays, she'd open the boarding house to anyone who needed a warm meal and throw lavish parties. She invited social workers. That sounds fun, dude. It does. I want to do that. So she not. was really schmoozing with social workers, so they would send residents to her boarding house. She'd be, yeah. like, the first pick. Mm -hmm. And... They would. They'd refer unsuspecting people to Dorothea. She had the assistance of a homeless man named Chief. Love that. And he had issues with alcoholism, but it was essentially her handyman for a while. She wanted to do a bunch of, like, kind of weird improvements to the house. She had him dig in the basement and cart away all the dirt he dug up. And then she had him pour a concrete floor in the basement suspiciously. Mm -hmm. She had him pull down an old garage in the backyard, followed by more digging, and then pouring a concrete patio. Why are you digging? Why are you digging? Why are you digging? What, what, what you digging for? What you digging in there for? What's, what's he digging up? Well, we'll never know because Chief disappeared after the concrete patio was made and no one ever saw him again. Shut up. Yeah, she did. he dig his own grave? Yeah, that's what that's I think. That's so fucked. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, what's... I just... <laughs> this woman. I know. This woman. In 1976, Dorothea got married yet again to a man named Pedro Montavalo, Montalvo. Excuse me. Yeah, that's a cool name, too. It is. Unfortunately, he was a violent alcoholic and beat Dorothea in angry rages. She lost herself in the care of her tenants. That's what she did. Now, while the social workers believed that those in her care were, like, happy and well taken care of, she really was only providing, like, the most basic of their needs. Like, here's your watered-down soup and a crust of bread, and shut up. She spent her time in bars looking for another man to take up with. Preferably one who got government benefits. <laughs> so Dorothea would dress super nice and was charming and sweet, and men bought into this con because men are dumb. Sorry. <laughs> she would romance them, steal their government benefit checks, forge their signature, and then catch... Them. And this was like a good racket for her for her while. 
But it caught up to her, and she was arrested yet again. She was charged with 34 counts of treasury fraud, which is a lot. And she got put on probation for that. You'd think, like, this would deter her at some point, because she's never not gotten caught for it. Mm -hmm. But she just got more paranoid and more careful. And I think it emboldened her that she wasn't getting hit with really heavy penalties for what she was doing. Oh, absolutely. She's only spending a few months in jail. And maybe she kind of felt invincible. Well, and every time somebody dies, she gets checks. So, like, fuck it. In 1982, a boarder named Ruth Monroe, age 61, moved into her boarding house. She was taken in by Dorothea's charm and likable demeanor. But right away, Dorothea began drugging the woman and stealing from her. Only 17 days later, Ruth was dead by overdose of codeine and Tylenol. And when the police came to investigate her death... Dorothea told them that Ruth was so distraught and upset over her husband's terminal diagnosis that she killed herself. And the police were like, that sounds right. That's good. Cool. And they left. Only a couple weeks later, the police were back because Dorothea had been going to bars, picking up men, drugging them, and robbing them. One of the many men accusing her was Malcolm McKenzie. They had drinks together in a local bar called the Zebra Club. I just like the name of the bar. I love Malcolm McKenzie. She's just like she's killing it. Nailing with the names. names. Yeah, I know. So he invited her back to his place. And while he's there, he starts feeling like super dizzy. No. But he doesn't lose consciousness. He just can't fucking move. Malcolm. Malcolm watches this bitch rifle through his shit. Going room to room. Oh, and he's like completely like he can't move. Like paralyzed. Yeah, basically. he cannot move, but he can watch her do it. Oh, and she's like stealing fucked. shit, including yanking a diamond ring right off his fucking finger. Shut the fuck up! How fucking bold! Right, the audacity. The audacity of this. Bitch. So she went back to jail <laughs> and was sentenced <laughs> for five years. Wow. But, you know, she's, like, used to prison. And she was kind of running the show in there. She was telling all of her stupid, crazy lies. And, like, yeah. Except this time she got, like, a little too arrogant, a little too comfy. And she snitched on someone in jail. How old is she around this time? Oh, she's, like, in her 50s, 60s. Okay. Yeah. Um, She snitched on someone? Yeah. And so she got beaten the fuck up. I was about to say. Because snitches get stitches. I was about to say, we know what happens. We do. Damn. Because we've been to jail. That's right. So you'd think at, at any point in her life, she would just stop and go, I'm fucking up, y'all. I am just really yeah. screwing the pooch on this one. Yeah. No. So they put her in protective custody because everyone in jail wants to kill her now. Right. And then she had a life-changing moment. Don't they all Don't in jail? They? Except yeah. it went the other way. Not a good life changing moment. Oh. She got a letter from a man named Everson Gilmouth. What the fuck? This is a cool name too. I know. I need Gilmouth? Like Everson. Everson? Everson. Everson. Ooh. Right? God, I like that. It sounds like y'all look like Errol Flynn. There? Like, come on. I'm- Name these babies. Name these babies. Give me an Everson. It sounds like an Errol Flynn type of guy. He's got the wavy, like, comb back hair and the little mustache. He's wearing a tux. And you're like, he's smoking a cigarette. Yeah. He's got, like, and he might be French. Mm -hmm. He's not, but he might be. I Mm -hmm. love it. Mm -hmm. So, Everson had this habit, bless him, of writing to women in prison. 
Oh, there are. That's a type. That is a type. That's a type of person. He liked him a bad girl. Yes. And the yes. letters started getting spicy. Well, and every inmate sexy. loves letters. I it know. is a big deal to get letters in yes, jail. And there's a lot of like romance and jail shows, like Love Behind yeah. Bars. Fuck yeah. Not as good as 90 Day Fiance, y'all, but close. It is romantic, though. And Being it ranks. On the inside. It is. And then you got your love waiting for you on everybody the outside. Everybody has one, though, because everybody like shows off their letters oh, and, that's like, cute. and talks about their boyfriends and or whatever, and their lovers and stuff. And yeah, it's a thing. It's, it's a, a thing, thing, for sure. So by the time she has spent three years in jail, she gets out for. Whatever. I don't know why they keep letting her out. <laughs> Everson's like totally in love with her. And he is waiting at the gates of the jail to pick her up. Of course he is. He's Everson. And you know, it's hard to say if Dorothea like ever saw him as anything other than like a meal ticket. No, that's ab- absolutely, she absolutely what she's there for. He had kind of social standing and money. And those are the things she wanted. Oh, yeah. When she was released from prison... They got it on. (laughs) In the parking lot? No, I don't know. (laughs) So, she had lost kind of like her, she couldn't pay for the boarding house anymore because she was in fucking jail. He paid for it. Wow. He was paying $600 a month. Like while she was in jail? I could not make sense of that part. Like whether he paid, I think he paid some back rent or something. I was about to say, she probably, she probably like, yeah, stocked up on some back dudes. I would think so. I think he got it while she was in jail, but the research was not clear on that. I bet he did, though. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> man, she was pumped. Because she really loves running these boarding houses. <laughs> and he just gave her whatever she wanted. In November of 1985, Dorothea hired another handyman. This man was named Ismail Flores. I like his name too. Mm-hmm. She hired him to put up some of that hideous wood paneling in the house. Oh, the stuff that I am gonna spackle over. Oh, fucking yeah, uh-huh. get this my wood house. off my, my walls. Whole house. I've had to paint over everything, and now I'm gonna fill in the grooves. Really? You don't so like the tedious. little grooves? I don't no, mind the grooves since you painted it. Because they're not even. Oh, they're like some are skinny, some are fat, and I don't like that. I need they need to be even. I can understand that. It's like real weird wainscoting or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, she also wanted Flores to build for her a box. A box? A man-sized box. But she told him it was to store some books in. And, you know, he's like, crazy white lady, whatever, I'll... Why are you putting books in boxes? They go on shelves. Mm Mm-mm. Box. (laughs) Just, like, an eight-foot-long box for books? Yes. Who's gonna carry that? He is. Okay, so... (laughs) She paid him $800, and that was, like, a lot. So he's like, dude, okay. To build a box. So he builds the box, and she puts it upstairs. And it's, like, a couple days later, and she asks him for a ride. She needs him to load the box into this truck. And what's cool is she's like, and you know what? You can buy this truck off of me. With for the, the money. box in it? No, not with the box in it. For the money that I just paid you. You can just have the truck. And he's like, Okay. He's, he needed a car really bad. Yeah. And so she's like, but I do need a ride to the storage facility to put my books that are in the box now in my storage facility. You mean the guy who owns the car you're sitting in? Perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> I smell you. <laughs> I smell you. I smell you. <laughs> so, yeah. 
the box is heavy, but he's like, it's books. You know, books are heavy. And he's yeah. driving to the storage facility, and she's like, I've changed my mind. I'd actually like to throw this in the river. <laughs> Sorry. What fuck? And that was his reaction. He's like, pardon me, ma'am. Books? Why'd you want, to, what have these books done to offend me? <laughs> and she's like, no, no, no. You know what? I don't want to store them. Uh, fuck these books. She kind of said that. She was like, these are crappy books that I don't want and some junk that I found around the house. And she's like, I should have taken it to the dump, but now I don't want to. Can we just, can you please just dump it in the river? Can we just litter? I just want to litter. And he's kind of wanting to be done with her at this point. So he's like, yeah, okay. So he dumps the box in the river and he takes her back home. Now, this is November of 1985. I know I've heard of this case. I just didn't know these parts. It's wild. Like, what the fuck? On January 1st, 1986, two fishermen found a foul-smelling wooden box. Of books. That, no. That was half-submerged in the river. The smell kind of told them, like, uh-oh, this not isn't, books. this is not books. So they called the police. The police pried the box open and found a decaying human body inside. Sure did. Yes, they did. The guy that owned the car? It was Everson Gilmouth. No! I'm afraid so. No! That was his pickup truck that he picked her up from jail in. Yeah. Oh, I was really rooting for that one. He did not make it. Oh, I really liked that guy. I don't even know what he looked like, but I liked him. Yeah, yeah. he's dead. He was only in his underwear, wrapped in a bed sheet, bound with electrical tape. He had a wristwatch on, his left wrist. So because of, like, advanced decomp, he couldn't be identified, nor could the cause of death be determined. And it would be three years before Emerson was identified. Mm. Now, Emerson's death didn't stop her from collecting his pension checks, and she frequently wrote to the family pretending to be Emerson, saying, isn't that fucking gross? Saying the reason he couldn't come visit was that he was in an ill health, but Dorothea was taking care of him. There's so many cases where that happens, and it's so gross. It's like... It really grosses ew. me out. Yeah. So with Everson gone and his money rolling in, her boarding house filled up with paying tenants. She scammed them, too. So what she would do is get to the mail before they could. She would cash their checks. <gasps> And then only give them a small portion of their own money. And since a lot of her tenants had drinking problems, they would take this small amount of money and she would like say, hey, why don't you go to the bar? So they would and they'd get drunk and then they'd get arrested for public intox. So they're in jail and she's still now she's stealing all their money while they're in jail. Oh, my God. She is evil as fuck. So fucked up, and she used the whole helpless little grandma shtick constantly. Cause she looks like it. She oh does my with God. her little. She she looks like like a, like a little bit more shriveled up version of the um the old lady that had Tweety Bird. Yes. Mm-hmm. She's yeah. tiny and she has like a little curl and set. You sure know, a little does. wash and set. Sure does. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, as time passed, more of Dorothea's tenants started to go missing. First, there was Betty Palmer, age 77. She went to a doctor's appointment and never came home. Next was Leona Carpenter, age 78, who was discharged into Dorothea's care after a stay in the hospital. Two weeks later, and Leona was never seen again. Leona! That's a pretty name. Y'all, I hope y'all are pregnant. 
James Gallup, 62, was last seen at a doctor's appointment. He had just gotten out of the hospital to have a brain tumor removed. And the doctor asked him, like, where are you staying, buddy? And he's like, I'm staying at Dorothea's boarding house. And he was never seen again. Whoa. Just got out of the hospital. Fucking brain tumor. She kills him. Vera Martin, age 62, moved into Dorothea's house and was never seen again. Like, she didn't even have, like, she moved in and she was dead. And this is the worst one. And, like, this is the case that gets the most attention out of all of her victims, and that's Bert Montoya. He was a mentally handicapped man placed in Dorothea's house by a social worker. Honey. And he disappeared after Dorothea took over his affairs and was never seen again. She told anyone who asked that he went to Mexico. Fucking she just Mexico. said that because of his last fucking name. Seriously. Or now she's obsessed. Weirdly. Just yeah, so weird. weirdly obsessed. A weird woman. Mm -hmm. So suspicion was beginning to mount. You can't just willy-nilly kill people. Yeah. People go missing. People wonder where they are. She thought because they were old and, like, disabled or mentally handicapped, like, nobody would give a fuck. But that's just not true. No. Honestly, in a lot of, like, in a lot of um, situations, they're the most cared for because people have to look after them. So, well, cool. I mean, there are going to be, you have cases of where, of course, they end up on the streets. and Absolutely, then, it happens all the they time. they have a shitty family. Sucks. Um, but, yeah, no, I'm just saying that a lot of times, like, the... But with Bert, it was definitely the case. Like, the social worker really cared about him. Mm. And she, you know, how, do you know how she felt after all of this came out? She was so devastated because she sent him there. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. she mm -hmm. got conned. Mm-hmm. So, first, what oh, happened man. is that she got accused of running an illegal boarding house. Because it was. Well, she didn't have any licensing. And when an investigator from social services arrived, he was so overcome by her charm and her little old ladiness and lies. Even when he'd seen the records how she'd been previously arrested for scamming her tenants, he wrote that all the claims against her were unfounded. Mm -hmm. She's like, I just want to help people. And he was like, oh, I believe you. I'm an idiot. I just get really mad because here's, you've got the proof staring you in yeah, the face. Yeah, I, I get in like, like almost like shock. I'm just like, what the fuck? You had one job, sir. What one job? One. Did you check the license? No. What yeah. What the fuck? Okay. Next to suspect Dorothea of ill deeds was Peggy Nickerson, a social worker who had sent Dorcia, Dorothea many of her tenants. She became really suspicious when she couldn't get in touch with these people. Dorothea told Peggy they'd like just moved away or run off or whatever. Like, like with Bert, she's like, where is Bert? You know? Yeah. Nope. She just told him they should just make up something. Now, Peggy believed Dorothea at first, but she did stop sending people to her boarding house. So at least there's that. So a social worker named Judy Moyes filed a missing persons report for Bert because she knew she was the one who had sent Bert to Dorothea. Mm -hmm. And she knew him really well. He was not the type. He was kind of a shy, kind of gentle person. He was not the type. He was a rule follower. He wouldn't run away. He wouldn't run mm -hmm. off to Mexico. He had no reason to do any of that. And when she went to talk to Dorothea, she just didn't fucking believe her. Like, she's like, this woman gives me the fucking creeps. So she went to the police. And for once, the police, like, took her seriously. 
Like, I'm just surprised these cases when they're like, hey, she said she, he ran off and he didn't. They'd be like, well, he ran off, so fuck you. Yeah, well, she said he did, so I don't know. I don't know, bye. Mm-hmm. No yep. one cares. Yep. But this time the police did okay. On November 7th, the police came to the boarding house to investigate. And at first, you know, nothing seems out of the ordinary. She is very friendly. She's charming. She's accommodating. They're like, can we look around? She's like, absolutely. Look all around. However, as they're leaving, one of the residents passed a note to one of the police officers. Oh, that's fucking eerie. Isn't it? Oh, it's so creepy. It's so creepy. And the note said that Dorothea had told him to lie about when Bert had left the boarding house. Can you imagine, though, like, like being that person? Because I always thought about that, like, how this happens in cases. Like, when are you going to know that you need to sit there and write that note to pass uh-huh. the place? You know what I mean? Like, everybody's there. Yeah. Who has a pen and paper and, like... Man, I don't know. And, he- and like, the wherewithal to, like, do this real quick without anybody seeing you. Like, that's nuts. This that guy was really brave. Yeah, Because exactly. she's scary as fuck. Mm-hmm. They returned four days later with a search warrant. They searched the house, dug up the garden, and started finding bodies. Whew. Yeah. All them holes. All them holes. Now, we knew she hired handymen for some of her, like, body disposal purposes. And it's suspected she had between three and nine victims... Ooh, I bet you there's way more. Because that first boarding house, remember, she hired that guy. Right. And then he vanished. But She yeah. was small, and I don't think she could have dug all those holes. So I'm sure she hired someone else, and I bet there are more bodies than we know about. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, the guy just dug the holes. He didn't place the bodies in there. She's not going to be able to place the uh-uh, bodies in Uh-uh, she's too there. little. Too many books in those boxes. So. Yeah. Well, not that was the only one she put a coffin in. The rest were just wrapped in bed sheets and just tossed in the tossed in there with trash too, because she's a piece of shit. Ugh. Now this is where things go sideways. She ran. She ran. She bolted. Where? I'm gonna tell you. No. You'd think. Yeah. She booked a flight to Los Angeles under her name, her real name. And then never boarded the flight. So the police thought that that oh, was a red herring and yeah. she wasn't actually in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. But she was. Okay. Bitch is clever. It's kind of, yeah. It's clever. Did she drive there? I'm not sure how she got there. She could have taken buses or something. Yeah. I mean, it's an expensive, clever thing to do. She had money. While on the run, she immediately went back to her old tricks. She went to a seedy bar dressed in nice clothes and struck up a conversation with a sad and lonely man named Charles Wilgus. Wilgus. They had drinks, spent the day together, and Dorothea told him, like, she started, like, all crazy like, we should have Thanksgiving together. And he was like, he's so lonely. He's like, oh, okay. And she's like, and then I'll move in. And he was like, uh, that's a bit soon. I don't even know your middle name, man. I don't even know <laughs> your middle name. Like, because they're virtual strangers. Until then, he'd kind of been on board, but she'd also been asking, like, if he got any benefits or a pension. Jesus. She's ready to kill Charles. Yeah. It's so creepy. And at first he was going to ask her to come home with him, but he 
like started feeling weird about it and went home alone. And he's like, I promise I'll come get you tomorrow. Cause she, she was like insisting on coming home with him. He's like, no, I'm tired. My hemorrhoids are acting up. Whatever excuse he had to use. <laughs> <laughs> no, my hemorrhoids, no. Listen, if you have them, you know. Yeah. <laughs> have a baby and come at me. Okay. <laughs> so, he came home and turned on the TV, and there was a story about Dorothea Puentes. Oh. Now, the woman he'd met was named Donna. Of course. Uh-huh. It was Donna. Very cool. Do- Donna. Oh. The air bunnies. And he just, though the picture, like the, the news report had no picture, he was like, man, that really sounds like that bitch Donna. Now, Charles, this is so funny. He did not want to call the police. He did not like the police. So he called the news station instead. He's like, I really think I had, like, drinks with this crazy bitch. And the reporter is like, are you sure? I can, how about you come into the station? I'll show you pictures of her. Yeah. So he goes in and he's like, I don't know. He goes, I think so. And so the reporter is like, hold on. I smell a story. (laughs) So before calling the cops, because... Charles knew where Donna's room was. Oh, because she was very insistent. Uh-huh. So he's like, she's staying at this hotel and in this room. So the reporter got all the news, like, cameras there and his whole crew. And then he called the cops. <laughs> <laughs> I just Man, love that part. make a buck where you can. And they got her. <laughs> and they got her. She was arrested on camera in the room at the hotel she told Charles she was staying oh, that's in. That's so... That's she, a dramatic exit. It is. It mm-hmm. is. Now, she was... It, her trial was a fucking circus, of course. Oh. And you guys may have noticed we don't cover trials. And I'm going to explain why very quickly. <laughs> we do sometimes if it's relevant. If it's relevant. It's relevant. If you need to know. I just... This was a dumb, circusy, unsatisfying trial. And to me, it's like the whole case is like when you're getting fucked really good and you've come no. like three times... And you're done, right? You're tired. You're all shagged out. You want a sandwich and a nap. And then your partner's like, but we could fuck again. That's what the talking about the trial is like to me. And I don't want to. I'm done now. We came. We're good. We got the explosion. There was cameras. There was a conclusion. There was a conclusion. Yeah. The story is finished. Yeah. Yeah. She was sentenced for three of the murders. To life in prison. I bet she had a million, billion different stories that she told. Oh, she just bullshitted. I didn't do it. It's a lie. Liar. I was in Cozumel the whole time. What are you talking about? Look at my dad. And it was, it took until December 11th, 1993 to convict this bitch. That's how long the trial was. What the fuck? Because she was like arrested in 1986. I was about to say, those are years in between. Years. (laughs) She died in prison on March 27th, 2011 good well fuck her that's good but i mean why didn't she get convicted for the other six murders there was a mistrial like this shit drug on forever bodies in the ground in her garden in her garden i don't think she got convicted of everson's murder or bert's and like some of the ladies so it got a mistrial because it was just such a fucking circus and that's, I'm not getting into the trial. I could have to go a whole nother hour well, for the trial. With, I'm not with doing the that. chaos in the trial, they do that. It's like, it's like they, they make so much chaos and distractions that it's really hard to nail down physical evidence. Yes. 
because there's too much noise. And so the jurors get exhausted. And that's yes. kind of what happened with this case. Yes. They nailed her for the three. And I get why the families would be sad. I'd be pissed. Absolutely. But, but I also understand, like, we got her. It's done. Justice is served. Fuck you, bitch. Yeah. My God, though. I bet she killed way more than nine people. She was so good at it. Because a lot of the bodies were found with missing parts. They never found, like, Vera did not have her head. Like, where did it go? Ew. Someone was helping her other than, you know, Flores and then Chief. I think she would do it person by person. You would help her, and then once she was done using you, she'd kill you. Or just let you go. Somebody else would help Because Flores got away. He's not dead. Mm-hmm. She didn't kill him. I think if she, I think she killed you if you found out. Yeah. So who knows how many people she killed? But I think she exemplifies a femme fatale using her feminine wiles, and her wiles weren't about being sexy. Mm-hmm. Her wiles were helpless little grandma. Still feminine. Still feminine. Still, still, wiles, still wiles, bitches. Mm-hmm. So that's why I picked her because I think it. It's just a fascinating case. Absolutely. And it sucks. And I, I feel so bad for the social workers. Oh, I have such Gosh, a big heart, especially for, especially for, like, children and adults who need those extra care. Oh, yeah. Um, especially people with, like, mental handicaps and special needs that, oh, I just have such a big heart for them. And I've taken care of people, and I know what it's like yes. to, to do those jobs. I used to volunteer and, and teach. Uh, it's just so big for them. literacy, like reading to adults right. with mental mm-hmm. uh, handicaps, mm-hmm. um, to help them like not be homeless anymore and stuff like that. Well, and like I like when I worked at the coffee shop, we had a local that he made his rounds every day. He did the same thing. He'd come in, we'd do the same thing. We'd greet him, give him his drink, and. It just reminded me a lot of him and a lot of other people that similar that interactions. It makes the you know like they they have their way of life. They do their things, and you get used to them doing these things. You well, it just I mean? what it's makes like, me mad is that care about them. They're integrated in people's lives. Like they're gonna go missing. People are gonna miss them. Yes, but what what makes me mad is when. We prey on people specifically because of some weakness oh, they're perceived to have. Sick. And that that she offered herself up as as help and a safe place. And then she barely fed them, drugged them, and killed them and stole their little tiny amount of money they got. It wasn't a lot of money. One of the most vulnerable people. I think in total she scammed sixty thousand dollars, and that's how much nine people's life was worth. Is sixty thousand fucking bucks? Right? Are you kidding? It's gross. Yeah. She's such a piece of shit. Human lives that she just buried in the backyard like they were fucking cats or something. Like you know, look. I think Betty Broderick is unhinged and very ill. Yeah. But you get it, you know, you get a she, crime she of passion. Was good in there. She I'm not blaming the victim at all, but I, like I get her I get her trajectory, like it makes sense to me. Yeah. And I feel like I can give her empathy. But with, with Dorothea, fuck you. I have no empathy for this mean ass bitch. No, she's gross. She is gross. It's a gross thing. It's it, very, very yes. gross. It's praying, it's it, she pretended to be weak to prey on the weak. Yes. And it's like a wolf in sheep's clothing. It's so creepy. Yes, yes. It has that, that extra creep factor. The, uh-huh. oh. It's like oh, that one so case bad. I did where the woman looked like a little girl. 
Yes. Well, oh, it's uh, just like that. Where she pretended yes. to be a little girl so she could get in with his family mm-hmm. and then convince them to be in a cult so they would eat the flesh of their own children. Right? Oh, that was so fucking, that was so fucking crazy. It just didn't even so seem real. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like a fever dream. Ugh. Yep. Well, that's it for Dorothea's case. Because like I said, I'd have to do a whole second part on just the trial. And I don't find it as interesting. It doesn't mean we'll never cover trials. I will. Um, But they have to be part of the story that we think, you know, makes She got convicted. And the only reason she didn't have all of them is because it was a fucking circus. Yeah. 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 But I mean, honestly, most murder trials of serial killers. Are circuses. they're, They're absolute shit shows. And you will be lucky if you get at least two charges to really sink them in there. And Ted Bundy's a good example of that. His was also a fucking circus. And you know what? There's certain cases I think I'm going to promise you I'll never cover. And his is one. Absolutely. Y'all, it's been covered. That one Zach Efron dude played him. Like, how many more times do we need to talk about that giant turd? I'm just flushing that shit. We're not doing it. And no amount of cajoling. I just don't want to. I hate him so much. He would love, he loves to be talked about. I feel the same about Dahmer. I feel the same about Dahmer. We, there are plenty of podcasts and movies and. Go look, go listen to them. Mm -hmm. We'll cover other depraved individuals. Rest assured. We'll show you some fucked up shit. I will take you to bad places. Yes. But those are overdone and people get weird about them. And I, if, I love you guys, everyone who listens, but if you come at me with, like, hot serial killer shit, I'm going to crap on you <laughs> on social media. I'm going to make it's, you look bad. Don't do it. There's nothing good about harming another human being, and nothing about that makes you They're not hot, and that's weird. anything in any way. And I get the he- weird human desire for dangerous things. Like, I understand it. But, like, Richard Ramirez had halitosis, so don't. He had poo-poo breath. Yeah. Like, ew. Please stop. Let's not glorify. Let's glorify the victims and let's step away from glorifying the perpetrators. Absolutely. I like to talk about cases like Dorothea's because if you see someone who's so harmless, but somehow their actions aren't matching up with their words, yes. pay attention. Yes. Keep yourself yes. safe. Don't get yes. true crime. Yes. The point of these types of stories is that it can literally be anyone. <laughs> literally. Know? Literally. And that looks archetype. are deceiving. Absolutely. It de- somebody can be hot, ugly, fat, thin, young, old, they can still true crime you. They can look as quote unquote unassuming as possible. Yeah. They can be the most unassuming person ever and they have slaughtered. So just be careful. Be safe. Be safe, y'all. Be safe. And uh I don't know. Well, I love you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Write to us. We'll send a link for our uh Oh yeah, business time. Mm-hmm. Business, time. business time very briefly because i'm tired um yeah our, our, in the description of this podcast whether no matter what podcast platform you listened on i have what's called a link tree in the description and from there you can go click on our coffee account that's where you buy us a coffee mm-hmm. we could use it we've had a week y'all y'all we've had one of the roughest weeks of our lives and i don't even want to talk about it there's nothing better than sitting at your favorite local coffee shop in your favorite little art artistic small town with your favorite crazy ass artist who's your best friend so that's me and it's only five dollars and it makes our entire fucking life we need to get out the house occasionally i have been in my home 
aside from doing errands and things that I have to do, I've been in my home for two years. That's true. Same, but I get out a little bit more than Willow. In addition, you can find a link to our Patreon. Why would you join our Patreon? Well, y'all, we do an extra episode a week. We do some really great episodes on our Patreon. We do weird history there, paranormal stuff, missing persons cases, unsolved mysteries. It's really cool. It doesn't go by the theme of the month. It's whatever we feel is fun. And there's no ads. We have a private group chat so you can hang out and recommend cases, and we will listen. Absolutely, a thousand percent. And it's only five bucks. So patreon.com slash cruelty. Me and Maris write novels, and they're sexy and violent and fun, and you should check them out. And there's a link to that, too. They're free. And so, yeah, that's the business. Otherwise, I'm going to say goodnight, unless you got something else, Willa. No. Why did I call you Willa? Willa. Willa. Willer. I just really love y'all. I do love y'all. Thank you for listening. It's nice. Mm -hmm. When the little numbers go up, I cry with joy. Every single listen. I'm just... I'm refreshing the app that shows me, and I'm just like... Y'all make my my entire fucking day better. It always cheers me up no matter what's going on. Mm -hmm. So thank you. We appreciate it. Good night. social media platform of choice. Linktree slash cruelty has all of the links. Check out our Patreon for exclusive episodes, merch, ad-free episodes, live ghost hunts, and much more. Please be sure to subscribe. New episodes are uploaded weekly. Thank you so much. See you next time. Music and production by Willie B.